Well, how is everybody? Sounds like average at best. Everybody doing okay? Good. Well, I figured we'd do things just a little bit differently here tonight. I figured we'll just read the Bible, and if I'm prompted to stop, then we'll stop and debrief, and we'll just see how long it takes and what God has for us. It could be 10 minutes, could be two hours. We'll just have to just see what happens. I can tell you, it won't be two hours because <laughs> I kids that need to get in bed for school tomorrow, but, um, but we'll just see what God has for us. So let me tell you where we're at. If you um, haven't been with us on Wednesday night recently, we're in a series called Deep Tracks Only where we're looking at, for five weeks, we're looking at five books of the Bible and really we're reading the whole book. And, and the, the thought process behind that is, man, we've just got to be armed with truth. We've got to be in the Scriptures. And sometimes the world can dictate for us what's in the Scriptures, but really we want God to be able to speak for Himself. So it's important for us to be able to dive in and understand, especially some of these books that are not so often read, uh, like the book of Haggai that we're going to be in here tonight. So uh, Haggai is two chapters. Now, it's not very often we know exactly when something was written, but we do with the book of Haggai. It is a series of letters. It's four letters written over four months. And that date, 520 B.C., is going to be really important here in a minute. We're going to kind of process through why that's important. But we know exactly when this was because it was in the second year of King Darius's reign. And so, in about 539 B.C., about 19 years before this is written, the Israelite people have been allowed to go back to their homeland. They'd been in captivity for about 50 years. Uh, King Solomon's temple that he built has been destroyed for about that amount of time. They were taken over by the Babylon, uh, Babylonian Empire. And then the Persian Empire takes over them, and the Persian king says, in 539 B.C., hey, you guys are just free to go. You're free to go back to your homeland. You're free to just go ahead and do what you need to do. And so he lets them go. And as soon as they get back to the homeland in 539 B.C., they start clearing out an area. They start getting to work on a temple, a new temple to be built. Um, but after about two years, they decide, you know what, let's hold off. Let's wait. Let's not build the temple anymore. And so 17 more years go by, and they haven't made any more progress on the temple. And so insert Haggai in 520 B.C., and we'll pick up here in chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtel, I mean, that can't be it, but uh, governor of Judah. Oh, it gets worse. Wait just a second. <laughs> governor of Judah and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, or some people say Haggai, the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? 
Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast and all their labors. Okay, let's stop right there for just a minute. So, first of all, anytime a prophet says, consider your ways (laughs) twice, you may want to pay attention pretty quick. And so that's what's happening here. Haggai says, let's take a step back here and, and see what's happening right now. Okay, you were freed from captivity. You did the right thing thereafter. You started working on the temple. And then after two years, you decided, actually, I'd really like to do my own thing now. Let's, let's get my own affairs in order first, and then we'll build the temple. Now, there may be an excuse for you to not build a temple like one day or maybe one week. <laughs> maybe you get sick or something. And you say, let's put this off until next week. But if 17 years go by, it's not really that big of a priority to you, is it? I mean, if Morgan said, Dallas, clean the shed, and I say, okay, I will, and I don't for 17 years, (laughs) it's like, it's not very big of a priority in my heart to clean the shed. That's what's happening here. That's why Haggai says, consider your ways. Where your focus is, your focus is actually on what you desire. Where your heart is, you're thinking about yourself, and then, and then God shares what is so common throughout humanity. It's that when we do what we desire, it always comes up short, doesn't it? He's saying, you do all these things, and yet, you're still struggling. And how many times has that been true in our lives, right? I mean, we... You know, we say, man, I, I know what will be good for me. I, I'm just going to, you know, spend all my time this evening that I have on social media. You know, you get that little dopamine hit, you know, and you feel like, okay, I'm just going to keep going because I got that little hit. And I'm just going to keep doing my own thing. And then one day, hopefully by God's grace, which he does here in the book of Haggai, he says, I'm taking all that away from you. I mean, you don't even have social media anymore. You, don't even, you can't even put your stock in all these things anymore because I'm taking it away. And wouldn't it be good in God's grace for him to take it away so that we would realize, you know what? I need to put my hope in something much bigger than myself. See, when you focus on the self, you have self-sized success. But when you focus on God, you get to be a part of something so much bigger than just the self. And that's what Haggai is saying here. 
Let's continue reading. Verse 12. It says, Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtel, there it is again. We have to do this three more times. Uh, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord, their God, and the words of Haggai, the prophet, as the Lord, their God, had sent them. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, uh, their God, on the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. Don't you love how just specific he is here? You know, it's like the book of Luke and Matthew, and it's like every detail, just write it down. I love that. It's awesome. So we get to the end of chapter 1, and there's a hard shift here. And one thing to keep in mind is that God's grace is immense. I mean, 17 years of saying, actually, we want to do things our way. And then all of a sudden, they turn and they say, okay, yeah, maybe we need to consider doing things God's way. And God greets them with, all right, let's go to work. I'm with you. I mean, think about that, parents, for a second. I mean, I would, be cons- I would be thinking about, okay, spend 17 more years thinking about what you did, and then we'll talk. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of that's the human nature mentality, and yet the grace that God gives is just to say, I'm with you, declares the Lord. I'm with you. And so he walks alongside of them as they start to build this temple. Chapter 2. It says, In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. I think I'm getting better at that. Do you guys hear that? Yeah. Thank you. I have to say it one more time. I should have waited until after the last time. Here we are. Okay. And to all the remnant of the people and say, Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? Because remember, we, we're talking about King Solomon's temple that was uh, destroyed about 50, 48 years earlier than this. Uh, where was I? Oh, okay. How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. Now let's stop right there for a second. I just love how... (laughs) <laughs> the human mind works. You, you see what's going on here? He's, he's saying, they're saying essentially, this temple is not going to be as good as the last one. So it's going to be a lot of hard work. It's going to be a lot of hard labor. And yet it's not going to be as good as the last one. And 
that makes sense at first, but then when you hear, work for I am with you, that's the ultimate right there, isn't it? I mean, think about it. If, if God is with you, it's going to be awesome. And so we continue in our human nature to say, well, you know, it's not really going to be as big as that other building, so what's the point? But it stands to reason that it really doesn't matter what the house looks like. It really matters who dwells in the house. And if God dwells in the house, good things are going to happen. I mean, you could have a 20,000-square-foot home, or you could have like a 300-square-foot home, and God can work in either one of those. It just doesn't matter. What matters is the presence of the Lord. See, they're focused on the size of the building, and they need to be focused on the presence of the Lord. Verse, I don't even know. Somebody help me out. Verse 5, thank you. According to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. Now, that's, that's important, too, to note. See, they think this temple's not going to be good enough because it's not big enough, and he's reminding them of what he did with Moses. You remember Moses? I don't know if you guys were here for our Exodus series a few months back, but do you remember when Moses is like, God, surely you're going to pick somebody else because I have a stuttering problem? (laughs) Surely it's going to be somebody else, but what does God say? I'm with you. I'm with you, so this is going to be just fine. If I'm with you, put your stock and all your hope in that. So this is a loving reminder from him. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not, for thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all the nations shall come in, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord. He's reminding them, you don't have to go about your own strength. This could be a room. This could be a closet. It just doesn't matter. If I'm there, things are going to be great. Verse 10. On the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet. Thus says the Lord of hosts, ask the priests about the law. If someone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches with his fold bread or stew or wine or oil or any kind of food, does it become holy? The priest answered and said, no. Then Haggai said, If someone who is unclean by contact with a dead body touches any of these, does it become unclean? The priest answered and said, it does become unclean. Then Haggai answered and said, so it is with this people and with this nation before me, declares the Lord. And so with every work of their hands. So what he's saying here is, if you build it, (laughs) you're going to get... Lots of issues here because our human nature is unclean. So you're going to, if your hands are on it, you're going to produce things that are not good. But if God's hand is on it, 
then there will be good things to come. And that's why when Jesus comes and he says, remain in me, abide in me, right? That's, that's our holiness on our behalf. When we remain in him, that's where good things happen. In fact, Jesus says <laughs> right after that, you've got to love the confidence that Jesus has in humanity. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. <laughs> it's like, thanks for the confidence, Jesus. But he's exactly right. I mean, we can't do anything without him. And so the sooner we realize that, the better. So he lays it out there lovingly for us. Let's continue reading. And what they offer there is unclean. Now then, consider from this day onward, before stone was placed upon stone in the temple of the Lord, how did you fare? When one came to a heap of twenty measures, there were but ten When one came to the wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were but 20. I struck you in all the products of your toil with blight and with mildew and with hail, yet you did not turn to me, declares the Lord. He's reminding them, okay, they have turned to him now, but our human nature is, okay, we're we're focused on him, we're focused on him, but then, oh, squirrel, We we go another, don't we? All the time. Oh, man, God is so good. I will never, ever want to go back to blank. And then what do we do? I mean, God takes them out of captivity in Egypt, and they sing this great song, and there's praise and everything. And then not long after that, they're like, oh, look at that gold statue. Let's praise it. That's just what we do. And so God's reminding them, hey, don't go back. Don't go back. Don't go back to the way things were. Focus on me, and you'll be a part of good things to come. Is it verse 17? Is that right? 18. Consider from this day onward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider, is the seed yet in the barn? Indeed, the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have yielded nothing. But from this day on, I will bless you. It's so important. Anything good that comes, any fruit that's produced in our lives is from remaining in Him. That's the focus. That's where we've got to be. Remember we talked in Psalm 23 series about how the Lord is our shepherd. Our focus is on the shepherd. Our our focus is not on the green pastures or the still waters because we have no idea how to get there. We think we do, but we don't. And so he's saying, keep your focus on me. Keep your focus on me. I will be the one who produces good fruit in your lives. Just stay focused on me. Or the way Jesus would say it would be to say, remain on the vine. Stay on the vine. Remain in me. Verse 20. The word of the Lord came a second time to Haggai on the 24th day of the month. Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I am about to shake the heavens and the earth and to overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I'm about to destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the nations and overthrow the chariots and their riders, and the horses and their riders shall go down, every one by the sword of his brother. On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtel, declares the Lord. And make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. 
And that is Haggai. So he ends here talking about the signet ring. Um, The lineage of the Messiah, Jesus, comes through Zerubbabel. And so what God is doing here is he's saying, here is my official um, covenant with you, a reminder of the covenant through this signet ring to say that through the lineage of you, Zerubbabel, there will be a Messiah who will one day save all people. Salvation will be found in his name. And so a signet ring in that time, not only was it to solidify a contract, it was also a very esteemed thing. So it was an honor to receive a signet ring at the end of a deal. And so that's what Jesus is saying here is you, you are having, or God is saying here, you have honor right here in this moment. I am, I am showing you honor as you just stay with me in the process. Just stay with me. And by the way, serving God, giving up our desires and submitting them under God, we understand that it's a very, uh, we find a lot of honor in doing it, don't we? I mean, when you really try to give up yourself and you, you submit to God's ways, you, you really do feel that it's an honor to do that. And that's what this is signifying right here, that, that it's such an honor to say that God is saying, you can turn from your ways, you can be about my business, and it'll actually be a better thing for you. <laughs> it's not just, I demand this from you just because I can and I'm God. It's, this is actually where fullness of life is found. This is where salvation is found through this relationship. And so, as we go from here, worship team, you guys can come back and come forward. But as we go from here, man, let's be a people who are just about our Father's business, not our own business. I mean, we shouldn't for 17 years <laughs> build our own little shack houses And instead, let's be a people who build God's house, God's way, walking in step with God every single step of the way. And we will get to be a part of good things ahead when we do. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all of the scriptures that you've given to us. Uh, We're so thankful for this book. Uh, We're so thankful for um, just what it means. And just that reminder of, like, sometimes we can't really see that it makes sense. Maybe we've got things going on and all that. Maybe we don't see why you're asking us to do the things that you're asking us to do. But, but help us to just be a people who, who say yes anyway. Because we know that if you're a part of it, and if you're with us, then there will be good things there. So help us be a people who respond in that way. That you are always good and you are always asking us um, of things that will bring us into life and experiencing life to the full. And we thank you for that. We thank you that that's your character, that you really do want good things for us in the process. Father, help us to just be a people who just submit, who just hands open, that just say, yes, God, what, what, of, what of me do you desire right now? What am I not giving to you? Help me to just give everything to you. Because everything we have is yours anyway. We love you very much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
If you need somebody to pray with, um, certainly the altars are open. If you need to respond in that way, let's continue to worship.